0: Welcome to another episode of the Light in the Sand podcast where myself and Amos uh, um, talk about all things AFL football. Uh, before we get to tonight's topic, Amos, is there anything that's happened in the last week in terms of trades or anything that you think we should touch on and let our listeners know about?
1: Hamish, how are you going, mate? Um, nothing major. We had a small pick trade on Friday just gone with uh, the Giants and the Lions trading uh, third round picks so the Lions get to Giants next uh, third round pick for next year which is tied to Port um, and uh, the Giants pick up 50 pick 54 this year off the Lions and I think mm-hmm. uh, reading some of the commentary it's mainly to do with um, expected uh, bids on academy players so the Giants have a couple that might come late this year Um uh, so that people help them and and the Lions uh, next year have uh, potential top five in uh, Marcus Ashcroft's son. Um, so they're trying to stockpile a few points uh, for an expected bid there. So nothing major there. Um, probably the more major news from a uh, line in the sand perspective is we've uh, had some uh, unsolicited listener feedback.
0: Listener feedback.
1: Yeah, I know. It's we amazing. have listeners. Exactly. This is, uh, it's a whole new world. But uh, no, An old uh, schoolmate of mine who I haven't spoken to for probably 15 years got in touch via Facebook the other day uh, wanting to know about why we haven't mentioned uh, Essendon and Hawthorne legend Barry Young just yet.
0: How could we forget Barry Young?
1: Well, this is true. We haven't really talked on too many players who have played for both clubs over the journey except for the uh, the episode where we went uh, talking about the trades the two clubs have done. that's uh, mm-hmm. Barry Young didn't make the cut for that episode because it was a pre-season draft pick. But um it's fair to say he cut his teeth at Richmond, mm-hmm. uh became an Essendon legend, and a Hawthorne has been.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I think we moved him on from Essendon at the right time. But yeah, he, I think, he was a serviceable player for the Essendon Football Club,
1: that's yeah. for sure. Well, I think his last game for us and last game in the AFL may well have been the 2001 prelim final. So mm-hmm. um I'm pretty sure we picked him up as a pre-season draft the year before that. So not only did he miss out, I think, on the Bombers Premiership in 2000, but he uh, got picked by you boys in the 2001 pre-lips. So, yeah. you know, maybe one of those Kevin Sheedy stories, a la Derek Kickett, where he may have mm. been Made pissed off from yes. not, not making yes. selection and then mm. still gets burnt by it. So. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Maybe, maybe maybe Barry Young is a topic for a future podcast, and we'll find a few of those other players over the years. That uh, I think I think we did de- have a look at that.
1: There, I think we're destined to, no yeah. doubt. I, I, anytime we talk about that, I'm just going to bring up Mark Williams just to just to see the look on your face. So.
0: Yes, uh, for our listeners, we do do this via Zoom, so every time uh, Amos does bring up Mark Williams' name, I do have a bit of a scowl and just, um, have to look away from the camera. Yeah, but. Um, I think that's what he enjoys seeing. So I'm
1: sure that will continue as well. I'm hoping all listeners can hear the smile in my voice as I say this. And I must admit, I am looking forward to doing this live one day when uh, mm-hmm. Melbourne finally comes to grips with its uh, its own mortality and dictator Dan lets us out. But uh, we're, we're on the right. verge.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Boxing Day might be the appropriate live broadcast. Who knows?
0: We'll see what we can do. Yeah, what from, from a bar somewhere in the MCG, given uh, we're supposedly gonna have eighty thousand people there.
1: I'm sure the bull ring or the Frank Gray Smith will be able to accommodate us and a it sounds
0: good.
1: And an iPhone or something. <laughs> <to> <laughs> get through. Yeah.
0: So and a rain delay. <laughs>
1: It's bound
0: to happen
1: one of the five days, isn't it? Let's just see how many days we can get to first. Well, that's true. It could be 3-0 mm-hmm. by that stage. Although I do hear that, you know, if we digress a little bit. But uh, Ben Stokes has supposedly been added to the uh, England Ashes squad today.
2: Yes. Overcoming so. injury mm-hmm.
1: and um, and his own uh, mental health issues. So mm-hmm. I think, um, as an aside, I think it's great because uh, you're an Australian, you always want to beat the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, England without Ben Stokes is not their best it's line. It's not their so. best team, though. No. So... So we'll see.
0: Now, on to tonight's uh, topic of conversation for the podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the the game that this podcast was named after the infamous line in the sand game, round 11, 2004. But before we get there, we're going to go back a bit in history and talk about a little bit more about the rivalry between the two clubs and um, both of our perspectives on it. And um, and how we think it sort of led up to what happened on that fateful day. And then we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about the aftermath as well. Um, Did you want to start first, Amos, where you think this sort of all harks back to and where it done um, and how it came about?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, uh, it was certainly 83 appears to be the, uh, the moment. And I think um, the two clubs differ slightly on this, but uh, if you read uh, Essendon, Um, Sort of unofficial Essendon commentaries on on the rivalry. Uh, It starts when uh, Dipper takes out Alan Stoneham off the ball and leaves him with one of the most impressive shiners I've ever seen, as well as a few other injuries. Um, Out at, was it Princess Park? I think it was Princess Park, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then if you look at the Hawthorne sort of histories and things like that, they uh, Mm reference that it kicked off in the the 83 grand final, which of course was the first of three in a row that the two clubs played back in the 80s. Um, yeah, so it seemed definitely 83. Um, I can't imagine Kevin Sheedy would let any of his players forget either the Alan Stoner incident or uh, the 83 grand final.
0: Yes, it so. was certainly a different time back then. Um, yes, uh, just before halftime, Stonham was basically knocked out. Um, bro- the broken nose, broken cheekbone, and as he fell, he... Um, hit his head on the ground as well. Um, he was pulled up from the, in the change rooms by Sheedy at halftime. Um, I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. I don't know the exact words, but yes, apparently, um, it was used as inspiration to try and um, turn the game around in the second half. There, but oddly, um, they, you know, they enjoyed a beer together after the game. I'm not sure that if someone whacked me in the face, I'd be willing <laughs> to have a beer with them afterwards. But no, Alan has come out and said in media interviews afterwards that, um, yes, perhaps he should have looked after his health a bit more, but um, he was having a beer with Dipper, Dipper after the game because that's just how football was played back in the 80s.
1: Yeah, that's all right. Um, it's a great story. I, mm. I only found that out when we mentioned that earlier tonight. But, um, yeah, I, I would love to see players uh, having a beer after the same as the cricket. You know, you mm. want to see having a beers after the game, not just after the series or, or anything like that, but um, obviously ultra professional these days. Mm. Um, yeah, and what you've just described there is probably eerily similar to um, the 2004 game that we'll touch on shortly where, um, you know, there seemed to be an incident, you know, that sparked a response. Um, and uh, and yet the stronger team on the day still ran out comfortable victors. I'm just looking at it now. You know, that day in 83, uh, Hawthorne ran out seven goal victors. Um, and, you uh, know, yeah. Um, it was a was it eleven goals to well it's not too bad eleven goals to eight second half so it wasn't too much of a shellacking in the second half unlike mm. the two thousand and four game where it was nine goals to two in the third quarter after the the Malay shall we call it mm. so um, yeah so but yeah interesting mm. that uh, twenty one years apart they're still getting the same uh, same same reaction same results
0: yes yes. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, um, there was a strong period where we played each other three times in grand finals. Um, two to one, Essendon 84-85 after Hawthorne got across the line first in 83.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to even up that ledger. It's going to be yeah. so sweet when it happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, we've still won more premierships than um, the Hawthorne football club have.
1: <laughs> yeah, not for long, not yeah. long but the coach of the next generation Amish, will, mm-hmm. will be up there soon enough. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, so, so tell me a bit more about your feelings of what happened in the intertwining years between 85 and 2004.
1: Yeah. So I, I suppose I really became aware of the, the rivalry um, thanks to the 89 second semi-final with uh, Dennis Burton ironed out Paul Vanderhaar mm-hmm. out at Waverley. Um it was probably after that, to be honest, when you watch that game back because all the commentary is around how the two teams hated each other. There's plenty of off the ball incidents that, uh, you know, if we're talking in today's language, probably seven or eight players, maybe more would have been uh, rubbed out for the grand final and the preliminary Mm. final the following week. Um, And others would have been rubbed out because of the concussion rule. So, um, you know, uh, so it was probably that game where it really sort of kicked off for me. Uh, And then, yeah, listening as a kid to radio commentary on a Saturday afternoon and all that sort of stuff. Anytime the two teams played, it was always, well, oh, these two teams don't like each other. There's yeah. going in hard, you know, all this sort of stuff. So um so it was that game in eighty nine. Um and then, you yeah, know, sort of the the mid nineties not too much happened, but I don't think, mm. you know. Um there wasn't sort of too many games that were other than the commentators sort of trying to G it up a bit. Uh, but then there were some incidents in games sort of in the late 90s when the Bombers started to become really strong again. Uh, <clears throat> and Hawthorne were perhaps sort of on either on the slide or getting towards semi-decent but never being quite there, uh, which really piqued my hatred of the Bombers. I think 98 when we had Daniel Harford yeah. climbing the goalpost to try and claim a point. In a close game out at Waverly, um, yeah, uh, two thousand, lucky did to do everybody else. You guys smashed us when we thought we were semi decent. Uh,
0: yes, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about two thousand. I mean, you're talking about the best team of the modern era in the and two thousand side. They, oh, well, they yes. won twenty four of twenty five games that season with an average, um, with an average winning margin of fifty one points. There aren't too many other teams that have had no, that kind of season.
1: No, you're right. Probably the Cats in eight but uh, they didn't win it, so they can't be counted. Yeah. Um, so you're lucky we preserved your record there for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um,
0: favors, yeah. yeah,
1: well, you know, we have talked about this in an earlier episode where we uh, did each other favours at the trade table by mm. fleecing Collingwood a couple of times. So it's not uncommon for the two teams, mm. but uh, um, yeah, I think 2001 was probably the year. I think Hawthorne started that year nine in a row or something ridiculous and then headed over to... Docklands and, and you guys showed us what the playing with the big boys really meant by beating us by must have been close to 10 goals, I think, yeah. in a game that was over by a quarter time. And if I remember rightly, and bomber supporters should be embarrassed by this, there was a heavy emphasis on J-Lo and let's get loud at that game. Because there was some instant, some reference to it during the week or something, and the Essendon cheer squad and and marketing department took mm. it upon themselves to play that go- play that song after every goal. Just unfortunately, every goal meant every three minutes was a lot of goals. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, so we didn't like it. And then, of course, fielding twenty three players in the two thousand and one prelim final, uh, number mm. thirty two, Darren Goldspink. Um, cause for concern, who also umpired <laughs> the uh, line in the sand game as well, mm, I might add, yeah, and yeah. was just as bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you're it's, saying
0: he's a closet Essendon supporter and just had the um, black and red jersey on underneath his umpiring well, top. Either that or someone from Hawthorne
1: has given him an almighty spray somewhere along the line mm-hmm. and he just never paid us anything ever since. Yeah. So, yes. uh, That's I mean,
0: so yeah. Essendon was never really... Uh, an umpire favourite, either though, after herd spray. Um, That's right. At the time, so was that like, two thousand
1: and three yeah. or thereabouts? Yeah, it was. It was around that. Somewhere time. Around there. Mm. Twenty twenty grand, I think, was the fine. Mm. Umpire education. Um, but if we're talking the right, probably my favourite uh, story about the rivalry uh, goes back to I think it's about eighty four. Now, of course, you and I being you know two years old or two, whatever it was yeah. at this stage, not really aware with this until you read the club histories and things and and to me this sparks a genuine hatred this kind of stuff and Sheedy was a genius at it, suggesting that the Hawthorne players were sniffing some sort of drugs you know, leading into the finals or something like that and not only that uh, knowing full well that their coach Alan Jeans was a cop so you Mm. can
2: imagine (laughs)
1: you can imagine how that would have gone down at the Hawthorne yeah, rooms at Glenferry Um of course it was found that they were sniffing smelling salts or something like that but um just for a, a sergeant in the police force to have who's a, an elite coach to have another coach suggest that his team is sniffing illicit substances
0: <laughs> uh, pretty well, galling it, it's it's not like shady to try and create a bit of drama and create a bit of story Oh. one to promote the game and two to try and get <laughs> the other side off their off their game and um thinking about something else.
1: Oh, I think it's brilliant and um, you know imagine if that story erupted today. Hmm. It would be all over every newspaper every media outlet social media you know SN wouldn't stop talking about it for months. Hmm. Um, it'd be amazing so I uh, I think, think it's a bit of genius from from it's yeah. uh, <laughs> pretty funny you now you think back 30 or 40 years later so
0: Yes. Yeah, so, and no. that's, you know, that, that some people say that that is one of the big things that sort of, um, you know, created this flashpoint and created this hatred because of that reason. Like, like right. you said, um, the accusation and who it was levelled at um, certainly wouldn't have pleased many people on the Hawthorne side of the fence.
1: Oh, there's no doubt um, that fueled the fire that was already there. And, you know, I'm sure Kevin Sheedy, knowing that the two teams were going to meet in the finals, you know, and I mean, in the end in 84, they met twice. Um, I don't think it was one match each, and unfortunately, you guys took off the cup, but uh, yeah, all part of it. And I think a genius bit of gameplay. So it's, uh, I mean, I'm happy to talk about the 84 second semi final if we, if we want to, because if you listen to some pundits, that, that's mm-hmm. one of the finals, greatest finals ever.
0: We won by eight points,
1: so I'm happy to talk about that.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to do multiple episodes a quarter by quarter um <laughs> coverage of the 84 grand final if you'd like yeah. as well.
1: Oh, I'm not sure I could uh, not sure I could uh, you know, come up with any gems like Peter Landy and that used to do at <laughs> the time, but uh, no, I'm sure we'll get to uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll yeah. get to covering off the big finals and the grand finals. So, yeah. yes,
0: let's talk about the game, let's talk about round 11. Saturday,
1: the 5th of June at 2004. Yes. So, were you there? No, I was not. I no. have my older brother that thanks for this. I was helping him move in Ballarat. I think it was one of probably two games I didn't go to that year, which mm. is pretty amazing given we were odds on for the wooden spoon after about six weeks mm. uh, and had a season completely to forget. So, however, um, no, my older brother. Uh, decided he was going to move, needed my help, uh, and listening as we, you know, in the car as we transferred his his worldly possessions uh, from one uh, address in Ballarat to another, and you just hear the, the commentators going off their off their faces mm-hmm. talking about a brawl that we haven't seen for years, mm-hmm. and we're like, what the hell? So the first thing we did when we got to his new place, got trying to work out getting beds and and things set up is set up the tv, oh, the TV sure general, <laughs> what's yeah. exactly so um yeah so that was pretty funny but um yeah unfortunately not there How about yourself
0: i was there um i must admit it wasn't a particularly exciting first half of the game as an Essendon supporter because we were winning and we were winning relatively easily it's always nice to win but um yes no i, I was there and i did see it all unfold <laughs> so i didn't i didn't have any of the commentary because I didn't have a radio or anything on me I, I was just watching it live but um listening to some of the com- commentary back on replays and radio commentary over the years as it's been discussed and um, analysed over time has been interesting as well
1: yeah yeah I think um, yeah I mean some of it's pretty funny some of it's uh, you listen to it and you think god how sensational they're making it sound and then when you watch yeah. the footage back you go yep that was pretty fair enough so yeah. Um, but yeah I mean in terms of the game I mean Hawthorne we're bottom of the ladder, two wins, nine losses. Bombers, I think, were mid, mid of the eight, fourth mm. or fifth or something. Looking good for another final series. Uh, expected to win and we're doing it easy. I think it's five goals to nothing the first 15 minutes or something. Yeah. And I mean, really, uh, watching the game back uh, today, actually, um, there was nothing in the first half to suggest what would happen in the third quarter. It was a pretty ho-hum mm.
0: top of the ladder versus bottom of the ladder match that was
1: going according to the script.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and then just before half-time, I think it was <laughs> Mark Johnson of the Bombers made um, a tackle on one of the horse—a Haw- late tackle, on one of the Hawthorne players. Yeah. Campbell, I think it was. Yeah,
1: Robbie Campbell. So there it was, it was, it was eight minutes to go in the quarter too. So it wasn't yeah. if it was just before half-time mm. and the players would have come in steaming and whatever. Uh, it was you know a good 15 minutes if you count time on and all the yeah. rest of it. Um, but yeah, he's uh, the, the, there was a contest on, on the southern wing, and Mark Johnson's carried on with the tackle and sort of dumped Campbell into the ground. Campbell was a young player at Hawthorne, probably playing in his 10th game or certainly first or second season, mm-hmm. uh, and evidently that was the uh, the spark. But little did we know for a good 20 minutes that, yeah. That spark had been lit. Yes,
0: so. <laughs> yes. And, and who, who was it that lit that spark on the, the players?
1: Well, if you listen to all reports, it was Dermy, of course, mm-hmm. which, you know, speaks mm-hmm. to itself. So he's evidently, uh, as a director of the club at the time, going out into the rooms and whispered in a couple of ears,
0: yes. the right ears,
1: you might say, yeah. the Campbell Browns and Richie Vandenbergs of the world, who were the, the mm-hmm. Hawthorne tough men of the time uh, and who knew would carry out some sort of retribution. But, I mean, the, watching the incident itself, um, it was pretty innocuous. Like, even in today's mm-hmm. footy, you might get a, a free kick, you know, if it was a mark to the Bombers, you might get yeah. a reversal um, mm-hmm. or a 50-metre penalty a 50 or something. Maybe a 50-metre penalty. Yeah, yeah, it certainly mm-hmm. would, you know, if it got put up to the mm-hmm. match review, it would have been thrown out as being, you know, not really enough contact. Although I do think from memory... Campbell had a slight concussion out of it, so that might, mm. you know, in these days play some sort of thing. But it was certainly, for that particular incident, an over-the-top reaction. Mm. Um, but also, um, apparently, Peter Schwab was pretty fired up too. Um, yeah, he's sort of realised that Essendon are, are up to their bullying tactics again, which they'd been, you know, over Hawthorne for years um, and had a few words to the players as well. So when they came out after half time, they were all pretty fired up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's unusual to have one of the directors go down into the um, rooms at any time during a game. I suppose maybe it's a bit different because it's Dermy and he is a star of the club as well. But, um, yeah, certainly to get him in there, and he was, he was obviously, well, was he more angry than the players? Because like you said, it didn't happen in the immediate aftermath what? of the yeah. um, incident that apparently... Was what sparked him going down and saying, Are you going to let them get away with that? Well, was, yeah,
1: uh... well, I think what um, pissed him off more, more than anything itself, was that there's absolutely no retribution.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of other things that went on um, around the ground, which, um, you know, these days you'd look unfavorably on a late hit here or,
2: hmm.
1: you know, a sling tackle there or whatever. Um, certainly 20 odd years ago and, and earlier than that, it was wasn't even noticed in the commentary, let alone by fans, yeah. everyone just go, oh, that's part of it. Yeah, it's the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's obviously seen it gone. I don't even know if he was commentating on radio. I that they couldn't tell you, but yeah. um, he's gone down into the rooms and said, well, yeah, you're going to stand for this shit anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, and evidently some took it to heart.
0: Yes. So, yeah. Then they came out after halftime and didn't take long.
1: I think it was three minutes.
0: Yeah, or thereabouts. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, there was um, I just looking at uh, some of the reports on the game here, I think one of the comments is... Um, uh, Where is it? Uh, so here, I'll read an excerpt. This is from Wikipedia, mind you, so accuracy could be slightly off. But the uh, mm-hmm. free kick was... Uh, sorry, center bounce. several players on the ground were vigor- vigorously attempting to gain possession of the ball and clear it for their team. Mark Johnson of Essendon attempted to join in a stoppage, but was quickly removed by a number of Hawthorne players. Now I'll stop there because he was the directive. Apparently Peter Schwab in the rooms at halftime said he's not to come off the ground alive, basically. Mm. Um, so this led to some wrestling and jumper punches amongst players with approximately 16 players in the center square at the time. Channel 10 commentators said that the spirit was bubbling over a little <laughs> in inverted comments. Mm. Uh, a free kick was awarded to Hawthorne. The ball was quickly kicked forward. Uh, Hawks were unable to take a mark inside their 50. Uh, the ball fell into Mark Bolton's hands of the Bombers, who was able to clear He kicked the ball along the southern side of the ground um, with the aim of reaching Jason Winderlich, who attempted to mark close to the ground, and a hard knock from Hawthorne's Chance Bateman um, with a knee or a hip connecting with his head. Free kick was awarded to Winderlick, uh, who was forced from the ground under the blood rule. Blood rule. Um, and that was certainly what started it, because evidently there'd been push and shove up the ground, which was, wasn't mm. shown on the cameras. Um, whilst that was going on, that Bateman's collected lick was pretty low act, to be honest. Mm. And then that has sparked what we now know as the brawl. Yeah. And Richie Vandenberg has decided to slam six or seven haymakers into. Adam McPhee and yeah,
0: Adam Adam McPhee certainly <laughs> had a lot of blood um running down his face after that.
1: Yeah, there's lots of finger pointing and yeah. everything going on. But uh, and players come from everywhere. I think I saw so I was watching it today, as I said, and um, it was all on centre wing and in the centre of the ground, basically mm. southern side. And off the top of the screen, I was watch sort of for the sort of who's hanging around the outside. So you can see mm. a few players who have been involved all of a sudden, sort of standing around the outside, hands on their haunches because they're. They're knackered from wrestling. Yeah. Across the top of the screen fly uh, Lloydy and Trent Crowe, who have run up from mm. full forward to try and get involved. And then all of a sudden you see uh, those two two tough guys, Justin Murphy and uh, Simon Beaumont, squaring off, off the mm. side of the pack. Mm. Best mates, punching on. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so... Did not quite...
0: Beaumont headbutt Murphy?
1: Yes, and I think Murphy was also charged with attempting to headbutt or something ridiculous like that. Mm. Um, but you just see on the top of the screen, Beaumont landing a right flush on Murphy's jaw. Murphy sort of stood there in shock going, what the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, they're best mates, apparently. Mm,
0: they, um, played, they played at Carlton together? Yeah. I know they both played at Carlton. I can't yeah, remember if no, no, they were no, there at the same right. time or not. But yeah. yeah, they I were, absolutely.
1: They were. So mm. they, they both had a pretty big hand in the Blues knocking off you mm. guys in the 99 prelude um and um yeah and apparently as the story goes apparently they were all due to go out to dinner that night with their wives who were sitting together in the crowd yeah dinner cancelled I, I, yeah, I was gonna say i, I, I <laughs> imagine dinner would have
0: been cancelled
1: yeah mm-hmm. so and i thought, i couldn't tell you whether they're friends or anything so i mean i know justin murphy's had his issues mm-hmm. over the years but um yeah so that's a little funny side uh, a side side to the story, but, you know, there was players with headlocks going on, like full-on mm-hmm. headlocks too, not just uh, trying to drag people away or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, interestingly, uh, you yeah, know, McPhee had to come off with the blood rule, was dragged off by one of the Bomber's trainers.
0: Oh, he uh, wanted to stay there and keep fighting, but he was yeah. like, no, let's go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Campbell Brown, I think, in probably one of the lower acts of his career, uh got stuck into was it Jason Winderlich, I think. Yeah, or maybe Andrew going, Welsh. No, who it was Winderlich
0: who was going off
1: and, yeah. yeah. I mean if you're being escorted off by a trainer, then it's almost like the um, yeah. Geneva rules you know, it's the Red Cross. You're uh, Yeah, leave the guy alone.
0: If he's being taken off the ground, he's out of the fight, let him go.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly right. And no, I think yeah. that's that was pretty poor form. Yeah. Um but um you know so there's all that going on. But then Amazingly, because given the rules, uh, if players are coming off of the blood rule, the game stops. Mm. But the umpires have obviously hit the uh, excuse me the override button and gone. No, we've got to get the ball moving, and we need to again. Yeah. Otherwise, this will never end. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden, play starts on the wing, and Hodge or mm. someone picks up the ball and off it goes. Mm. And and somewhat amazingly, uh, there wasn't too much else going on in the game afterwards. Like you think a brawl like that. Mm. there's likely to be cheap shots all over the place and and players you know
0: i think a a few of them that have been involved (laughs) may have realized how much it was going to cost them already okay well maybe we're done now
1: Mm. yeah i mean there was a couple like in the in the 10 minutes or so afterwards there was a couple of Mm. sort of late hits where you take a mark and a player sort of leaves a hand in or whatever Mm. but nothing yeah and there was a couple of what you would Probably calls soft fifty meter penalties paid, which mm. understandably the umpires are trying to gain control back. Yeah. Um, as I said before, Darren Goldstein was umpiring this game again. Um, certainly gave Hawthorne no favours pre or mm. post fight. Um, was definitely the difference between the seventy four point. Yeah, mar- the seventy four point margin
0: was definitely all down to Darren. Goldstein.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Essendon would nowhere. They would have only kicked mm. you know seven goals to two yeah. in the third quarter instead of nine. That's for sure. But yeah, uh, um, yeah so amazingly, sort of. 10 minutes after the fight, there was very little else went on. Yeah. Um, which you think, as I said, a, a big brawl like that, you think there'd be spot fires afterwards mm. everywhere. But so yeah.
0: I must yeah. admit, the 42 odd thousand were a lot more interested in the second half after the brawl than they
1: were in the first half. Yeah. Watching back today, as I said before, the crowd was almost silent in the first half. You know, there was the odd boo for a missed free kick or, yeah. you know, cheers for a good goal or whatever but there was very little atmosphere there it appeared hmm. which is unlike Hawthorne at the, the G so I'm glad something happened yeah exactly
0: yes. yes I um but I mean it, it's clear from what happened after the game that it was the Hawthorne players that were the thugs with um Vandenberg, Pachoni, Brown and Beaumont all getting suspended for a combined total of um 15 games um yeah, you know, and in one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in um, tribunal history, Barker got off for striking McPhee. He should have gone down as well.
1: Oh uh, come on! I think they <laughs> mistook Barker for Richie Vanderbilt. I think.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, and um, but you know, and thirty-six thousand seven hundred dollars worth of fines to a combined total of well, I think the actual nine total players. No, that uh, that was that was just Hawthorne's fines. That fine. was just Hawthorne, Yeah, exactly. And then um, yeah. Murphy got one week for headbutting Beaumont, back half the Beaumont headbutted. Well, actually, I don't know who did the first headbutt, but they both headbutted each
1: other. Well, I can read Um, the charges out if you like. That makes some interesting reading if you want to. Yeah, go
0: for it.
1: Yeah, so we'll start with the Hawks, Mm. thugs that they are. Um, So John Barker, this is the charge. I'll go to the the, uh, findings in a moment. So striking Adam and McPhee in the third quarter and engaging in a melee. Uh, Simon Beaumont. Striking Justin Murphy in the third quarter, which is obviously the uh, the hit to the face. Misconduct in two two occasions, he thrust his head towards the face of Justin Murphy during the third quarter. So to me, that just says attempting to headbutt Mm -hmm. um, and engaging in a melee. Campbell Brown wrestling with Dean Rioli during the third quarter, striking Jason Winderlich in the third quarter and engaging in a melee. Uh, Vandenberg striking Adam McPhee Misconduct in that he made unnecessary and unreasonable contact with his leg to Adam McPhee. And I think if the commentary suggests he was kneeing him, mm. which, yeah, as we all know, that's a pretty dog act. Yeah. Amazing that this man was uh, the next season to become the Hawthorne captain, mind you. So uh, Lance Pacchoni, that Hawthorne legend, uh, striking Adam McPhee. So Adam McPhee. <laughs> they did
2: not like Adam McPhee.
1: That they obviously did. mistook him. He was the wrong blondie because yeah. Mark Johnson clearly was the one they're after. And yet Adam McPhee mm. is the one who they've all gone for. Yeah. So, And then we had uh, Chance Bateman, Peter Everett, Nick Holland, and Mark Williams all engaging in a melee. So Mark Williams, can't imagine him doing too much in a melee. It would have been a bit of a wet lettuce. I do remember footage, and I think our, our logo um, that we've pixelated beautifully may suggest that Nick Holland he- has someone in a headlock. And it's a pretty reasonable headlock too. Like There's some fair mm. bicep flexing going on there. Um, and then Peter Everett, who knows what he was doing. Wild man that he is. But then Essendon, so Justin Murphy, alleged misconduct in that he head-butted Simon Beaumont during the third quarter on video evidence. So if you've got video evidence, how can it be alleged? Alleged, yeah. I don't know. And engaging in a melee. And then you've got the two Johnson boys, Adam McPhee, Mark McVeigh, Damian Peveril, Rioli, Dean Sullivan and Andrew Welsh engaging in a melee. So, um, yeah, and the tribunal hearings were held over two nights, mm. which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, just for that match, because I think back then it was there was no MRO back then. I can't, I don't think, yeah. or, or certainly maybe this game was put into a different category where they just yeah. said right.
0: It was definitely straight to the tribunal. Yeah, so, there was yeah. no point mm. even.
1: So, yes. uh, five players suspended for sixteen matches in total. Obviously, four of those were Hawthorn. And uh, total fines, $70,700, which uh, is the most in a single AFL, VFL, AFL match in history.
0: I believe the Tribunal chair, Chairman at the time described it as um, bringing football into disrepute. Yeah, uh, and there's no doubt that that's the case. So, um, Well, I mean, most people loved it. It's probably not the right thing to do it, but at the time, I think most <laughs> people loved seeing football.
2: Oh yeah, I been think,
0: a
1: while. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, it had. I think, mm. um, yeah, from a, a pure voyeuristic, you know, sort of thing. Sure, it was amazing, but uh, mm. if you look at where the AFL was heading at that time yeah. and is still heading today, yeah. uh, I mean, imagine if it happened today.
0: Could it happen today? No,
1: there's no oh, way. We'll not, no, um, players. I think, uh, like you said before, too professional for a start. Mm got too much on the line in terms of money, reputation, and, you know. Endorsement deals. Yeah, that and um, Instagram followers and all the rest Mm. of it. Um, And also, you know, the clubs couldn't afford to have that many players out for that many weeks. Uh, There goes your season if that's the case. Um, And then I think, um, oh, yeah, it was you who said it before. Um, There's every chance that you could get sued in this day and age, Mm. you know, with concussion issues and whatever else. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I Mm. I certainly don't think you'll have four or five people throwing haymakers at one player like they um, (laughs) were attacking McPhee that day. Um, You couldn't see more than a jumper punch these days. No. People are
1: not going to take the risk. No, 100%. That's right. Mm. I would love to see uh, the -the down-the-ground footage of that fight because Channel 10's footage obviously is, you know, one or two cameras worth. They haven't shown everything for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, You know but I'd love to see it because I want to know now why Adam McPhee was the tag
0: yeah. of all the, all the players. Like, what did he do prior yeah. to that? Because, I mean, other than them having blonde hair, they don't actually look that similar. No, they're not even the same body shape. You
1: know, mm. Mark Johnson, from memory, is pretty sort of squat, you yeah. know, for an AFL player. Mm. Um, I mean, I know Adam McPhee uh, was pretty good on the lip from what I remember, but yeah. certainly it just seems amazing that he's the only yeah. one that all the fights and have been targeted at so um yeah i want to see down the ground footage to see he, whether he did anything or not you know mm. in that couple of minute period where we've talked about uh, the player the ball exiting the center square and then coming back to the mm. wing before the fight started so yeah But uh i think ah oh, look it was a great spectacle for what it was it's never mm. going to happen again unfortunately well i say unfortunately i'd love a bit of H- essendon and hawthorne buffo to mm. kick off 2022 but uh um I think at the time, uh, Hawthorne certainly came out of that uh, as a very yeah as a club in shambles a shambles yeah. shall we say I mean it wasn't long after that the coach was sacked they had a an interim CEO at the helm and ironically that's where Jason Dunstall's nickname the Chief was brought was born thanks to the likes of Sam Newman on Triple M radio but um, yeah they were a club going.
0: They certainly bounce back pretty quickly, though, and it has been a tale of different fortunes for both clubs since then. Um, you know, Essendon just still sort of, like, you know, they were thereabouts still and riding off the high that was, the, um, you know, 99 through to 2001, when they probably should have won two premierships, if not the third one as well. Um, coming into there, they were still sort of thereabouts. And like you said... Um, Hawthorne was down the bottom, but if you look at what's (coughs) happened since the end of 2004, so 2004, the last time Essendon actually won a finals game, and what's happened to the Hawthorne Football Club since then, I I would certainly say the fortunes um, swapped around and, um, yes, it's certainly been a better time for Hawthorne in the decade and a half since.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about Mm. that. I mean, I think you're probably accurate in saying it was the last hurrah for that Essendon group, wasn't it, Mm. 2004? Um, because when you beat Melbourne in the first final and then lost, was it Geelong or West Coast or somebody in the second week of the finals? Um, Yeah, so um, they're the last hurrah for that group uh, of really doing anything significant, obviously. Um, And then uh, you're right. I mean, there's no way walking out of the MCG on that afternoon, both sets of supporters would have said that uh, come... In 2015, Hawthorne would have four flags in the Cabinet after mm. that game. Like, it would have been so far from anyone's wildest yeah, dreams. Yeah, four and 11, so. but it
0: was three in the next five years. No. no 2004, wasn't? no, sorry, no,
1: yeah, sorry, the next decade. Yeah, gosh, I am love talking of Hawthorne, and Hamish, but we've never been that no. good. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, it really, I mean, it was the death knell for Peter Schwab as coach of Hawthorne. He did come out at the start of the 2004 season and started his, uh, you know, uh, presser by saying Hawthorne would win the premiership. And lo and behold, we just staved off the wooden spoon. Mm. Um, but it brought to the club, yeah, you know, Alistair Clarkson. Mm. And obviously that changed, changed gears for everybody there. So, um, yeah. And then Essendon, unfortunately what do, do I say unfortunately maybe I don't um, well we unfortunately don't for an essence right? yeah. <laughs> that's right so um, look I've talked about this before on the podcast the 2012 season I, I wouldn't want to see that upon anyone mm. really but uh, it happened and, and unfortunately was have had to cop it
0: and, and you know that was probably a time like up until sort of now and the current Essendon's got that was the time where they probably had the best chance of making their case and pressing on for, um, some final success. But, um,
1: well, yeah, I yes, think that it, was certainly
0: derailed by a, um, a sports scientist and a, um, high performance coach that um, came up the road from Geelong with <laughs> Thompson when he came home and should have left them behind, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I love it. How you like the feet of the cats, but, uh, I mean, certainly in, in the post Sheedy era, yeah. um, that team that Heard was building um, had, was best equipped to do something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and,
0: you know, if if you if you want to question the cat's success in that in that time frame, <laughs> just look at who was who was there.
1: That's true. Uh, I just want to say that Hawthorne beat the best, so I'm not going to question it at all. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, I I seriously think that uh, I think 2012 you guys played finals, was it? And mm. 2013 you got. Knocked out of the finals once they'd yeah. all, done all the findings. and the, yeah. yeah. But I think, uh, I mean, obviously, we were the dominant team in those 2012 through to 2015, 16. But um, mm. there could have been more chapters written of this rivalry in finals uh, yes, it had uh, that saga not occurred because um, certainly Essendon were on their way. Uh, yeah. And pick up players like Brendan Goddard and things like that. Um, around that time Um, so yeah there could have been more finals chapters written and more games for us to talk about Mm -hmm. on different episodes but uh, alas it wasn't to be
0: we'll just have to wait for those chapters to be written in the future
1: yeah Mm -hmm. I think so and yeah hopefully uh, there are because um, yeah there's only so many times I can talk about the 89 second semi-final which I think is the last time we beat the final Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm right there, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's almost that's thirty two years ago or something. It's far too long. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so. You were six or seven at the time, so
1: correct. Just turned seven, yeah. so yes. But um, yeah, so you know, hopefully there are further chapters to come.
0: Mm. It would be remiss of us to um, end this podcast before touching on the sequel to the line in the Sand game of two thousand and nine. <laughs> Um, you know, but it was this one was sort of the the, op- the opposite line in the sand, if you want to describe it that way, where um, you know, um the result didn't change in the same way, but actually no, it did change it th- did. They did. Um, you know, Essendon was down at half time and um and Lloyd came out just after the break and um as the cap- I think he was the captain at the yeah, time, he, was, he yeah. came out and said, um, yeah, no, I'm gonna lead by example. And his leading, by example, was um, running straight through Brad Sewell and um, putting him into the dirt and starting not quite um, as bad a melee, but um, certainly... Well, um,
1: no, the melee wasn't as bad, but certainly the, um, the after, uh, there was more spiteful acts in the second half yeah. of that game than there were in the 0-4 game. Mm-hmm. Um, even coaches getting involved. Uh, certainly Alistair Clarkson didn't take Kylie to it he wasn't particularly be... happy about it no. <laughs> yeah, he mm-hmm. had to be uh, physically restrained I think from mm-hmm. memory by uh, Mark Evans uh, the ex-Croydon coach Mark Evans I know. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know from uh, advancing onto the ground after the siren to have a crack at Lloyd mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so I mean, we'll save this for another episode, obviously. But, uh... Oh yeah, no, I just thought. we <laughs> Yeah,
0: I think we can um, review that game and the the uh, the ramifications of that game as well at a later date.
1: Yeah, but I mean, again, very. I mean, apart from the fact that there was a finals place on the line, the first half was hardly inspiring football, hmm. uh, and the second half was certainly livened up by Woody's, uh attempt to do a Mark Yates, yeah. really.
0: But so. but unlike um, in. 2004, when Lloydie um, ran through, saw it did um, spark the team and change the result. Whereas, yeah, um, yeah. you know, um, trying to take out Adam McPhee sparked the ball and they <laughs> up winning by 74
1: points. Yeah, well, like I said, yeah, the different set of cattle. Well, it's probably the same cattle on the field for Hawthorne minus mm-hmm. Nick Holland and John Parker, I reckon. Yeah. But uh, actually, just as an aside on the 04 game, the interesting trivia question who was the Hawthorne captain that day? Well, he was the captain, but he was injured, so yeah. he wasn't playing. No, nah, who,
0: who was the
1: captain that day? Nathan Thompson, of all people. Nathan
0: Thompson was the captain.
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah, I found that out on the uh, uh-huh. replay watch today. <laughs> but, um, well, when they said on the TV, I am like, bullshit. There's no way. There would have been other other candidates. Surely, surely. someone else would have
0: been yeah. in front of
1: him to be the captain of the club. Yeah, yeah. but uh, no, he was the captain. Um, Evidently, Richie Vandenberg led better by example and was given the captaincy the next year. Yeah.
0: They decided Although throwing think, a few punches was um the way to lead by example. Yeah, No, I was dropping the knee. That was the one. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, but, oh, uh, well, yeah. you know, Dermy on the board has obviously got in the ears of everyone else and said, look, um, you know, he did what he was told and um, we can rely on him to lead from the front.
1: He'll carry out all so That's exactly right. Yeah. So, but, uh Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think uh, the O4 game, the result was never in doubt. But, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it's just galling that we had to, to go through that, but equally, we've had a pretty successful run
0: afterwards, so can't be too disappointed. Yeah, it's time for you to take that little downward slide, whilst The Essendon Football Club comes back up a bit more and see some of that September success.
1: Ah, oh, look, I'll go to the early crow and pencils in for top four next year. How are you going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you reckon? Um, you reckon the draft period's going to go well for you? No, 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 no. Jack
1: Gunston will be a new recruit. Mm. Yeah, he'll be fresh as a daisy. Has yeah. played for eighteen months. Time off, yeah, yeah, exactly mm. right. James Sicily mm. will come back and dominate from centre mm. back. And,
0: yeah. yeah, all those players you tried to trade or just um, sneak back in fine. There'll be no it'll issues be, yeah. there. There'll be no annoyance from them. No, it'll be happy families. That's right. Mm. As a family be, club, yeah. you know that. Mm. So yeah. I'm backing in Sam Mitchell to do a Chris Scott. Yeah, Premiership in, first year. To the Premiership.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. and then ten straight Prelim finals after that. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> Not sure if you've got quite the same cattle on the park as um, Chris Scott had when he came in.
1: No, you're 100% right. Certainly no legends. Yeah. So oh, We'll be lucky to uh, equal our finish this year, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we'll see how we go. As for the Bombers, though, yeah. uh, Dodoro hasn't weaved any magic yet. But, no, uh, no. Still
0: well placed for next year, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, he, it, it's, it's a new patience with um as the coach there. He's um, He's not trying to fill in gaps and um, push for premiership glory ahead of where the schedule is. And he's realised that maybe if you take those one or two years, you might be set up for long-term like Melbourne seems to be.
1: Mm. But maybe that's the the bombers failing. They're not aiming high enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, all on one ahead of time.
0: Look where it left mm-hmm. us. Maybe maybe the list is just perfect as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe, hey, maybe Peter Wright's going to come out and win a Coleman medal next year.
1: Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. He's the most unlikely uh, character to do so, so.
0: Yes, he hasn't quite lived up to his expectations of where, uh, considering where he was drafted, but he's so a serviceable forward and I think he oh, look, do well for the Bombers.
1: I've got to say, mm-hmm. um, I was spewing when I read that uh, you guys picked him up for what future fourth rounder or something mm-hmm. because he was, I wanted him to go to Hawthorne. Because we didn't have any key forwards at the time. So, but yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, very different topic here, but Jared Brand has just been signed by GWS apparently from West Coast. So, um, yes, again, I was hopeful he would go to Hawthorne, but alas.
0: Mm. Not sure he's going to get the game time he wants there, given he wanted to leave West Coast because he wasn't getting. The uh, he was at, what number three or number
1: four in the picking yeah. order up forward. Um, yeah, but I mean, GWS don't have any key forwards now anymore, so mm-hmm. they've tried. And Green's
0: missing half the season, so you know,
1: <laughs> well, mm-hmm. he's got five games cancelled in, so he's got to yeah. find a five game suspension somewhere else, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, so he's the uh, the, the uh, what would you say? He's the 2020 Dermot Brun just mm-hmm. uh picking off suspensions one at yeah. a time. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, so. Yeah. But no, I think what is you, what's your final summation of the of the uh, the line in the sand game and the ensuing twenty fifteen years?
0: Ah, uh, look, I you know I think um, it's the the rivalry is still there between the two clubs. I don't th- I don't think the animosity is quite as bad as it used to be, but there's certainly still some animosity, and there are always events that happen to just sort of bring it back. I mean, Sam Mitchell himself was. Um, One of them in recent times, bringing the game into disrepute when he was out there on the field, um, making insinuations about drug use that were never proven and um, embarrassing himself on the field. Um, That could be our logo, actually. That certainly (laughs) riled up some Essendon supporters at the time. Um, So it's not quite as vicious on the field, but there certainly are always things that are coming out that um, keep the animosity going.
1: Yeah. And look long mate, continue, you know. I mm. think you know, I think you need a big rivalry, like Hawthorne obviously had the Geelong rivalry, but that's always been built on mutual respect and, and mm. good games, close games. Even, you know, back to the late eighties and, and some of the early nineties mm. games we had with the Cats, but uh, the Essendon and Hawthorne rivalry is just built on
0: spot. Right. I think I think well, yeah, I think you need those rivalries in the sport. I think that's what makes it interesting and keeps the stories
1: happening. Yeah, and I would love the AFL to bring back a rivalry round. Um, and just relive some of those glorious, you know, some of that glory footage um, of those sort of things just to yeah keep it peppering along. But they do seem to be wanting to be on the the good side of everybody these days, so it's probably unlikely that it'll happen. Yeah, and
0: given the um, discussions around concussion and stuff Mm. at the moment, you're never really going to see the hard hits um, played in the same way that they were in previous years, I wouldn't have thought.
1: No, exactly right. You're more likely to see them in a courtroom than on uh, uh, mm. yeah, Channel 7 replays or whatever. So, uh, But I still, yeah, I, I like the fact that it's a fierce, spiteful rivalry. Yeah. And, you know, all it will take is someone to say the wrong thing somewhere, somehow, and it will mm. be back on again. And I wouldn't put it past Sad Mitchell to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, if he wants to come out and make a name for himself and, you know, be the next sheet, he yeah, come out and say that commentary and, He's going to have to do something to differentiate himself from Clarkson as well. well
1: so. There's got to be something in the chalk out at uh, out at mm. the hangar, doesn't there? It can't yeah. all be just chalk. <laughs> proximity to the airport—you've got plenty of access mm. to customs and whatnot to. No, not
0: one negative test ever happened,
1: and uh, still hasn't happened. No, and, I mean that particular saga, of course not, mm. but uh, mm. um, yeah, who knows? You can't. Who knows? You, I mean, look, all, it, all it's going to take for this to kick off again, really, and maybe we're the people to do it, Hamish, is for mm. us to just point out that Sam Mitchell won Joe Watson's Brownlow medal.
0: Now I'm going to end the, have to end the podcast. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore, eh, Watson? No, no, Joe Watson is still the winner of that Brownlow medal and always will be. Yeah, mm. that's probably fair enough. But, uh... <laughs> anyway, um, this has been another episode of the Line in the Sand podcast. Please make sure you like and subscribe at um, whatever, you're, whatever platform you're listening on so you can be kept up to date and um, listening to our episode next week.
1: Have a good night. Yeah. Enjoy everybody.